would please in your Bibles, Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14, we will start in verse 3 when we get there. I'd like to speak briefly on a launch of love. On July 16th, 1969, I know that no one in this room was alive then, so let me tell you what it was. It was the Apollo 11 and the launch of it. It was the work of thousands of people who were all focused on the same goal, and that was to land a man on the moon. However, it was three men that were picked to represent the culmination of this dream and the beginning of a new concept of reality. The challenge here was using just ordinary people to meet and reach an extraordinary goal. Thousands of people working together to accomplish the task. Everyone was needed, everyone was involved, and everyone was important. Many, though, sacrificed beyond the call of duty, and one person was Margaret Hamilton. She was a computer programmer, and she was critical in landing the astronauts on the moon for the first time and then returning them safely a few days later. The young MIT computer programmer led the team that created the onboard flight software for the Apollo 11. The computer system was the most sophisticated of its day, and her, her rigorous work and her great work was so successful that no software bugs were ever known to have occurred during any of the Apollo missions. Here is a photo of her standing beside the printouts of the code that she and her team developed for the lunar module and the command module. It looks like it might have been more than one week's worth of work. President Obama in 2016, when he awarded Margaret the Presidential Medal of Freedom, said this. She symbolizes that generation of unsung women who helped send mankind into space. And then in 2017, she reached the pinnacle of accomplishments when she was immortalized as a Lego figurine. I now have a new goal in life. But her sacrifice enabled great things to happen. And this morning, I would like to briefly talk about another woman who made a great sacrifice. Her sacrifice wasn't for landing man on the moon, but rather her sacrifice was for the man who made the moon. Allow me to introduce you to her in the 14th chapter of the Gospel of Mark. Let's start with verse 3. In being in Bethany, in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment, of spikenard, very precious. And she break the box and poured it on his head. First, I want us to notice the lavish gift that was given to Jesus. Notice the location of where Jesus is. In that verse we just read, he was in the town of Bethany, but notice where specifically, where in the town of Bethany he was. It was the house of Simon the what? Simon the leper. 
By this, we can only conclude that Simon has been healed of his leprosy. After all, if if he was still a leper, he would not be allowed to, one, be in his own home, and two, to host a dinner where others would come. Perhaps it was Jesus that healed Simon. I have no problem believing that. Jesus performed many miracles in Bethany. But I find it very interesting that Simon is still known by what he used to be. But in him being called Simon the leper, it allowed him to never forget what Jesus did on his behalf and healing him. Imagine me after the service catching you on your way out to the car and saying, hey, come on over here. I want to introduce you to a friend of mine. And as you're shaking hands, I say, yes, this is my friend, Larry the leper. Would you pull away? Remember the early months of COVID, you'd be in a conversation with someone and they would finally admit, yeah, I had COVID, I just got over it. And you take a step back. Say, oh, I'm, I'm outside the 10 days, it's okay. I know that's okay, but still. Here is Simon, opening his home to Jesus. Now, I want us to picture the scene here. I want us to picture a home, the best that we can. And as we walk in, First, we notice something smells very good. Dinner has been prepared. We smell the meat, and we smell a vegetable, and perhaps some starches, and even perhaps dessert. And then with our eyes, we see some people gathered around a table, reclining, eating. And as from our vantage point, we take in the entire scene. We notice a woman enters the room unannounced making zero noise. Hardly anyone notices amongst the eating that she enters. And as we observe her, we notice that she is carrying a white box. As we look closer, we say, is that an alabaster box? Once we confirm that it is an alabaster box, we understand that those were used to contain and hold ointment. It was a vessel to hold oil. And then as we watch her, she quietly, without saying a word, goes up to where Jesus is eating and breaks open that box and allows the contents of that box to pour out over Jesus' head all the way down to his feet. Immediately, the smell of food, we notice, is replaced with the smell of the most expensive perfume known to man at the time. She didn't spritz Jesus with this perfume a couple of times and tell him to do this. She didn't drip a couple of drops. It was the entire contents of that box that she had. Now, let's use our imagination to picture the surprise of everyone else in the room. Let's look at verse 4. And there were some that had indignation. How many of you used that word this week? Indignation. They were greatly displeased within themselves and said, why was this waste of ointment made? For it might have been sold for more than 300 pence and have been given to the poor. And they murmured against her. 
And as we observe this room, we now see that there were some that were very upset, very displeased with this woman. Why were they displeased? Well, they began to speak out. Now, notice first, they had indignation, the Bible says, within themselves. But Luke chapter 6, verse 45 says, out of, the, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If something comes out of my mouth and I say, where in the world did that come from? I only have one thing to check, and that's my heart. Because it's out of the abundance. The mouth is the overflow, the release valve of the mouth. So these men had indignation in themselves, very upset against this woman, and they could not keep it to themselves. And finally, as we observe this room, taking in the smells and the sights, we now hear the sounds of the men speaking. And one man says, it's a waste. And then another man quickly does the calculation based on the size of the box. He says, well, that spike nerd. That pure nard could have been sold for 300 pence. And another man says, that's what I make in a year. These men are upset with this woman. And they murmured against her. And they begin to wonder why in the world did she give such a large gift, a year's wage worth to Jesus. To this woman, it was a sacrifice. But everyone in the room, they could only see the market price. She had it on her heart to give. But it didn't make sense in the minds of all the other people in that room. And that's a reality that we have to embrace. Sometimes God leads us and puts something on our heart to do that doesn't make sense logically or in our mind. And we feel God moving. And when we try to explain that to an unbeliever, it doesn't make sense to them. They say, well, if you're going to do that, it's a waste. Many men have been called out of successful businesses, businesses to go onto a mission field as a missionary to present the gospel, given up careers already successful with even more potential built in to walk away from that. And as you read their biographies, you understand what God placed on their heart to do did not make sense to the others in the business community. It didn't make sense. And these men in this room can't wrap their minds around why this woman would do this. To better understand her story, however, of why she gave such a lavish gift, we first have to understand her life story. For once we know her life story, and if we could get more details out of that, it makes more sense. Mark doesn't give us all the details. However, John does. Let's go to John chapter 12, shall we? He adds some details that we can see about her life story so we could understand why she gave such a lavish gift. John chapter 12, verse 1 says this. Then six days before the Passover came to Bethany, where Lazarus was which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. Now first, let's nail down who Lazarus is. Do you remember him? He was a friend of Jesus, the brother of Mary and Martha, lived in Bethany, and he is the one that had died. If we recall, it was Lazarus who was dead for four days before Jesus raised him from the dead. And at this dinner, within Simon the leper's home, is Lazarus as well. Both men wanting to honor Jesus. 
and invite him into their home and have this dinner. But let's look at who else is at this dinner. Verse 2. There they made him a supper. And Martha served. We're not surprised here Martha is serving, right? But Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. Then took Mary. Here's the woman. Here she is. Then took Mary. A pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Do you remember this, Mary? She is the one that when Lazarus was not doing well and he was ill, we're not talking a cold, we're not talking the flu, we're talking an illness that was so obviously bad that he was going to die. Mary left Bethany, went over a town to where Jesus was and said, Jesus, you need to come. Your friend, Lazarus, my brother, Lazarus, is so ill, he's going to die. Please come now. Imagine you having a spouse or a sibling, very ill. You call 911 and you say, you need to get here now. But they don't show up for a few days later. When you place that call, you would expect it to get priority. You would expect an ambulance to come within minutes. You want reassurance on the other line of the phone that they're on their way. They have been dispatched. They'll be at the house, okay, very soon. And when Mary pled with with Lazarus or Jesus to come see Lazarus, Jesus didn't come right away. He tarried in a town where he was. The disciples urged Jesus, come on, let's go. Let's go to Lazarus. But Jesus tarried. And then, after a few days, headed into Bethany to Lazarus' home. Before Jesus made it to the home of Lazarus, Mary met Jesus out on the street. And Mary said, Jesus, you're too late. Lazarus has died. We have to understand at this juncture of the story, God is never late. God is never early. He's never late. He's always on time. And everything he does is for the kingdom. Everything he does is for his glory. And Jesus asked Mary, where is he buried? Mary took Jesus over to where Lazarus was buried. And Jesus simply told Mary, roll the stone back. Mary rolled it back. And then Jesus said three words, Lazarus, come forth. John eleven forty four simply says, he that was dead came forth. Lazarus, Jesus' friend, Mary's brother, came walking out of that grave, still in the grave clothes that he was wearing when he was buried. And Mary felt indebted for how Jesus brought back what was dead, back to life. And how Jesus poured his favor out on her life. And it was this woman, so indebted to Jesus, wanted to do something lavish for him. Once we understand her life story, we understand why she made such a sacrifice. She didn't have to surrender her most prized possession. She wanted to. And sacrifice is simply understanding that all that we have has been given to us. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7 asks us this rhetorical question. What do you have that has not been given to you by God? 
It's rhetorical because the answer is nothing. But when you think about it, itemize tangible and intangible goods. What do you have that was not given to you by God? Nothing. Now, what does that mean? Everything I have, every relationship in my life, every possession I might have is from God and is what he loaned for me to have during my lifetime down here. It's like the story of the chicken and the pig walking down the sidewalk. Chicken and a pig come across a grocery store. And on the window is a sign. The sign says, bacon and eggs needed. The chicken looks at the pig. Pig looks at the chicken. Chicken says, you know what? We ought to help that guy out. Pig looked at the chicken and said, you're crazy. Chicken said, what? What's the big deal? The pig says, well, for you, it's a contribution. For me, it's the whole thing. Most of us don't mind giving God an egg here and an egg there. A little egg here, a little egg there. Because you can lay an egg and walk away. You can make a contribution and walk away. It's easy to lay an egg. I'm laying an egg right now. We could go in the church, lay a contribution, walk away. But here God is saying, I don't want a contribution. I want all of you. I want all of your life. I want a full dedication. I want your heart. I want your soul. I want your mind. We receive life from him, and he's asking us simply to live for him. Mary was so grateful for all that Jesus had done for her, how could she not completely surrender her all to him? Steve Jobs, the founder of Apple, would place a note on the desk of new employees to receive on their very first day of work. So when they came into work, they would sit down at their desk. And on their desk was a note from the president of Apple, Steve Jobs. And this is what the note would say. There's work, and there's your life's work. The kind of work that has your fingerprints all over it. The kind of work that you'd never compromise on. That you'd sacrifice a weekend for. You can do that kind of work at Apple. People don't come here to play it safe. They come here to swim in the deep end. They want their work to add up to something. Something big. Something that couldn't happen anywhere else. Welcome to Apple. May his commitment, may Steve Jobs' commitment to his mission, remind us of our commitment to our Savior. Unfortunately, believers can sometimes arrive to a point in their life where they no longer want to swim in the deep end. They want the shallow end. They want the shallow things of the Bible. They've learned enough. They've got their salvation, and that's good for them. They don't want to give up a weekend anymore. It doesn't matter what the mission is or how big it is. They don't want to give up the weekend. They want to play it safe. But let me remind all of us, God didn't bring us this far to only come this far. It's by his grace that we came this far. And it's by his strength we could stretch ourselves and go further. We will never see God work in our circumstances until God sees us move in accordance to his will. In our lives, big doors of opportunity swing on the movement of small hinges. As we study scripture, most of the time when God was getting ready to do something big, his people had to do something first. Moses had to lift up the rod before the Red Sea was parted. 
The priests had to walk into the waters of the Jordan before it was split. Even in our story here today, it was Mary that had to roll back the stone before Jesus resurrected Lazarus. God didn't move until they moved. God wants to see by our actions that we believe him, not just talk about believing him. Faith is measured by footsteps. It's measured by our walk, not our talk. It's measured by our lips or by our life, not our lips. And it's our movement, not our mouth, that matters to God. You never see a bird sitting on a branch with its beak open to heaven, hoping that God will drop worms from the sky. But they do expect God to provide one when they make the move and they go looking for what God provided on the earth. It's about movement. God must see faith in our life. We're told in Scripture that without faith, it is impossible to please him. Without faith. If I, in my life, am living a life that requires zero faith in God, I'm not trusting him. I'm not looking to him for those next steps. And I'm not being challenged by what he's asking me to do in my life. I don't require faith in my life. Then I know this. My life is not pleasing to him. Faith is measured by what we do, not just what we talk about doing. Are you familiar with the verse John 3.16? Anyone? What does it say? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. When you really love something, there's movement that shows it. God loved you and me so much that he was willing to move his only son out of heaven down to earth to one day die on a cross for your sins and for mine. That is love. And it required movement. When you love something, you have movement in your life that backs that up. And here we have Mary. She had a love for God. And the movement that she made was taking her most precious thing that she had in her life. It didn't matter the value. It didn't matter the cost. It didn't matter if she would ever be able to replace it again. She just used that to honor Jesus. And that brings me to my last point and by far my shortest point, her lasting memory. John chapter 14, verse 6. We've got to see what happens in this room that we're in. How did Jesus respond when everyone in the room was shouting out that it was a waste and the true value of it and how long it would take to work to actually get something that expensive? How did Jesus react? Let's look. Verse 6. Now Jesus speaks. And Jesus said, let her alone. Why trouble ye her? For she hath wrought a good work on me. For ye have the poor with you always, and whensoever ye will, ye may do them good. But me ye have not always. She hath done what she could. She has come aforehand to anoint my body to the burying. Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached, throughout where? The whole world. This also that she hath done shall be spoken of, of a memorial of Jesus starts off first by saying, leave her alone. Stop your murmuring. Stop your complaining. She has done a good work. And then he says, what she just did for me 
is going to be heard throughout the entire world. 2,000 years later, here we are in this room talking about Mary. Exactly what Jesus prophesied we would be doing. No sacrifice ever given to God goes unseen by him. Nor does he ever forget. People have short memories. We move on quick. I occasionally will forget a thing or two. How about you? But God says, anything done in my name, any sacrifice, I will see it. It doesn't matter if anyone else does. I will see it, and I won't forget it either. Nothing that we keep can be kept, and nothing that we give can be taken away. What a statement. Anything that we try to keep down here on earth, we won't be able to keep. But anything that we give away, God says, I have an eternal record of that. Her sacrifice didn't make sense to them at all in the room. But do you know what else doesn't make sense? That the Son of God did not consider himself too valuable to come down and give his life for you and me. That doesn't make sense. The one who truly sacrificed is Jesus Christ himself. He is the alabaster box. He is the one that was broken open and poured out for you and for me. And to compare the value of his life with the value of my life, that exchange is so unfair. When I think of myself, who am I? I'm just a sinner made out of dust. What do I offer him? And here's my challenge. Let us pray individually for a fresh revelation of the sacrifice Christ made for us on the cross. We get busy amongst our lives and we get busy with all the other chapters of the Bible and the stories. Every now and then, we just need that fresh revelation of what Christ did for us as believers. There's no sacrifice too great for God. After all, he's done for us. What has he done? Well, when we have, do not have any hope, he gives us hope. When we do not have a plea, he comes to forgive give us. When we're in the bondage of sin, he sets us free. When we're in darkness, he provides light for us. When we're lost, he leads us along the way. The songwriter pens these words in the hymn, How Great Thou Art. I know you're familiar with it. And one of those verses says this. And when I think of God, his son not sparing, sent him to die, I scarce can take that in. That on the cross, my burden gladly bearing, he bled and he died to take away my sin. Then sings my soul, my Savior, God to thee, how great thou art. How great thou art. If Mary was sitting right down here this morning and she heard everything that we had to say about her, I think she would pop up right at the end of the message. She would turn around, she would face you, and I think she would say, it wasn't a sacrifice. What Christ did for me was a sacrifice. 
what I did was simply a launch of love for my Redeemer. It was movement that I could show in my life to show how much I appreciate him, how much I love him, and recognize what he did for me. She said it was my opportunity to show appreciation for all that he's done for me. God moved on her heart, and she immediately had movement in her life. What if Mary waited? What if she had on her heart to honor Jesus with her prized possession, this alabaster box? What if she waited? One chapter later in John is the crucifixion. She would not have had another opportunity. But something I think about here, when a lady spritzes perfume on her, it pretty much lasts most of the day. Here's the most concentrated, pure nard on the planet. And Jesus has it all over his hair and on down. And very shortly, Jesus is arrested. And he's beaten. He's questioned. And in that dungeon where all that's happening, and in those courts, do you know what everyone is smelling? That pure nard that is still all over him. The fragrance of what she did for Jesus was everywhere, and it spread. When God moves in our heart, we also have to have movement with doing what he asks us to do. What is the next step God has for you? Let's pray, shall we? Thanks for listening this week to the Graceway Baptist Church podcast. For more information about our church and our ministries, head on over to our website at gracewaycharlotte.org. We are a church located in South Charlotte. We are growing and our ministries are doing big things for Christ. If you're looking for a way to get plugged into what we're doing, email us at info at gracewaycharlotte.org. Also, stay in the loop with everything happening by following us on Facebook and Instagram. Our handle is Graceway Charlotte. Thanks again for listening to the Graceway Charlotte podcast. We'll see you next week.